Namaste. So, prayers and meditation, we'll read a prayer from me. And um, this is a very interesting prayer because uh, there are three stages basically of our self-evolution. One is when we are part of the masses. And when we are part of the masses, then as I said, it doesn't matter what interchanges are going on and uh, whom we are meeting. We are just part of that whole thing. Then there comes a time when you want to individualize and you want to discover the divine. There are two steps of one process. You can't jump from a mass phenomena to discovering the divine. It's just an impossibility. You have to go through that phase when you make choices and become an individual. If one cannot make choices, mother would say, Swami Vivekananda put it very bluntly. Mother would say, first you must become individual because what do you have that you are telling that I am surrendering? What is yours? You are driven by the, you know, all kinds of things and forces. <laughs> Swami Vivekananda was put it in a very pragmatic way. Somebody came, a youngster, and told him that I want to renounce everything. He said, what do you have that you can renounce? So he didn't understand. He said, go back, earn one lakh rupees, then you come and talk about renunciation. <laughs> now, obviously, Swami Vivekananda himself didn't earn money like that. But what he was trying to convey is that first meet the challenge of life and the world. He had gone past. He was conscious of who he is. And then when you have found the divine, then there is a third stage where you enter once again into the world. But now it's a different thing altogether. It's like Swami Vivekananda going all over the world. And remaining untouched. Because that is the nature of the work. Like mother and Shurabindu themselves. So these are the three stages. And it's good to know where we stand. If you belong to the masses. Want to belong to the masses. Nothing wrong with it. If you want to belong to the divine. Then there is a phase when we narrow down. Completely concentrated on the divine. To the exclusion of everything else. So one would say. But divine is in everyone and everywhere. Yes. But deep inside he is hidden. First step is to uncover, uncover, go behind all the layers to find where is he, whether inside or in the world, two truths of the same. So that requires intense concentration. Even you can gaze at a tree and discover the divine. But if you gaze only at the outer form, oh nice tree, lovely tree, what a nice, oh what is the season, by the way, it's very cooling. Then you don't discover it's uh, the divine presence inside. But he is there, divine presence is there as much in the tree, in an object, anything if we make an object of concentration. Some people just gaze at the sky, it's easier. Why? Because there is no object appearance to hold your eyes. So when you, I mean those who cannot go inside, just gaze outside. Don't gaze it in public because people will declare you mad. But it's a very powerful way. You will actually start seeing those dots through which matter is made. Actually, you can discover it. It's a very beautiful way. But if you really gaze at the sky and don't get caught into it, that cloud is looking like this, pareidolia. Don't look at that. If you gaze, then you will see that your sight is going deeper and deeper. There is no obstruction by any physical object. And a time comes, when make it impersonal. Just let it go. Suddenly you will start seeing images which are going to emerge. Not as simple as I am putting it, but with practice, if you want to do that. But the other way is that go inside. Withdrawing consciousness from the senses. So this is the time when one has to fix a time when one will sit, go inside, shut yourself from everyone. So much so that one has to say that, well, this is my time 
with God, my time. And this is the time when I don't accept anything and, you know, everybody can wait. Then when you have discovered, then the third step is going into the world and working if one has the command. It cannot be done just like that, that, okay, um, now I have been, I am a soldier of the mother. <laughs> Let her enroll as a soldier. You pray to her. Mother, I want to be your instrument. I want to be your soldier or whatever one wants to. I want to be a flute. Maybe she will say, okay. Maybe she will say, no. You want to be my flute, but you have, don't have enough holes inside it. So she will say, okay, become my flute. So, ego passage, you'll, you know, she will make a passage. Till finally you have all holes. No ego. Only a form is there. There is no nothing inside. Then, then the ego self is gone, but the form is there. She will say, okay, now I will pass it on to Krishna. He will play the flute. So this is the process. So these three stages he describes beautifully in a prayer. It's May 16th, 1914. I was interrupted yesterday at the moment when I was trying to formulate the experience I had. And now all seems changed. Now this she has written for herself. And as I said, we must understand that for different stages there are different things. That precise knowledge, that clairvoyance has given place to a great love for thee, O Lord, which has seized my whole being from the outer organism to the deepest consciousness and all has prostrated itself at thy feet in an ardent aspiration for a definitive identification with thee, for an absorption in thee. So this because, you know, suddenly she sees that there was something which she had to do. She was going inside and suddenly, uh, you know, she is interrupted. And then when she is interrupted, she goes into a tremendous sense of love to discover. Why love? Because it's the love which creates a link between the creator and the creation. So she goes into that state and she says, I implored with all the energy of which I was capable and once more, at the moment when it seemed to me that my consciousness was going to disappear in thine, at the moment when my whole being was nothing but a pure crystal reflecting thy presence, somebody came and interrupted my concentration. <laughs> Later on, this would be her way of life. In one of her famous experiences of the boat, Supramental board. She says, I was seeing it and it was something so... She was seeing everything, even people who would, who would be there. And she says, if I take their names, he'll be scandalized. <laughs> who were being qualified for the supramental creation, who were not. And she said, it was not dependent on any moral values. It was dependent on the consciousness. That is the main thing in spirituality. It's not outwardly, but something within. So, she says that I was watching for two hours, it went on. Then suddenly somebody came and interrupted me and so she had to come back. But she says, I was rolling in laughter when I saw that what supramental values and what we value are so different. Of course, later on the disciple asked, what is it, for example, that, you know, the supramental values and which we value, which has no value there. And then she says, you know, one of them ideas of ascetic purity. 
you take a bath at this point of time and you know you have done all this then you sit in <laughs> she says all this is no meaning and then she said sanctity of marriage that was the second thing she said she said we give so much importance to it but from the supramental point of view it's not that which is important what is important is what is going on inside that love and see spiritual knowledge is very vast that's why it was not given to the uninitiate for this reason now it is all available in the books anybody can read it it was not given to the uninitiate because the uninitiate will get thoroughly confused in ancient vedic times a mother says you have to be tested before you are let in and there is a whole story of initiation and people were told this knowledge is for you this not something you have to start going out and pronouncing in the ashram till 1960 till the supramental manifestation even when people wanted to go and speak she would say no but yes 60 after the manifestation started then yes you have been the society and she spoke about you know people going out and speaking but not anybody and everybody you have to have an adhikar this is something we have lost it's not like anybody start saying okay i think i can speak well because i have read you know shurbindo a little bit and i have read a couple of books here and there and i have also read little bit of the geeta and i have read uh, you know uh, this particular philosopher i think i can give a talk it doesn't work like that there is a whole story where somebody from uh, i think it was western up or haryana who wanted to give a talk on the life divine because people requested him and he wrote to the mother uh, sent a telegram and uh, i i have been asked to give li- uh, talk on the life divine i need your blessings mother didn't reply so after some time he took it like this that you know he had a vision of krishna coming to him silvery silvery krishna telling him yeah yeah you can give talks so he wrote back look at you know how the mind operates he wrote back i don't need the permission anymore because krishna has already told me and mother replied it is not krishna but a hostile being who has come assuming this form so it's not any again anything anybody can do it modern liberal idea which is lost the sense of consciousness where everything is not meant for everybody and everyone they are different people they are warriors so fight very well and there are people who are warriors of the pen who write very well and each of them so in the gita it is called as swabhav and swadharma and of course when the divine gives directly a work nothing like it or she speaks here such is indeed the symbol of the existence thou givest me as my share and in which the outer utility the work for all holds a much greater place than the supreme realization but even when mother came to the ashram finally 1920 for number of years she would not go out and just you know start giving meditation she had realized everything i mean she had vision of supreme twice can you imagine <laughs> about whom shurbindo is saying that she is the mother but she would not go out freely and because you have to wait for that command all the circumstances of my life seem always to tell me on thy behalf it is not by the supreme concentration that thou will realize oneness it is by the diffusion in all may thy will be done o lord so she has got this command and therefore she is agreeing to give herself to everyone 
But then look what she says. Now I clearly understand that union with thee is not an end to be pursued so far as this present individuality is concerned. Speaking about herself. Why? Because it is a fact accomplished long since. She realized this union. She says now, you know, but there is a tendency to go within again, to have that ecstatic contemplation, to plunge again into that wonderful presence. She says it's done. It is not that you have to keep going on like in ancient traditional yoga because then the knot of works is gone. There is no need to work. You just go and plunge inside again and again. You live in that beautiful contemplation. So she says that is already accomplished. So every time she goes to plunge into uh, that, she is asked, no, no, something or the other will come and interrupt. And that is why thou seemest to tell me always, do not revel in the ecstatic contemplation of this union. Fulfill the mission I have confided to thee on the earth. So there is a great joy in just sitting and, you know, contemplating the divine. Really, it is the most ecstatic of things to just sit in quietude and be with the divine. The delight of being with the divine in the divine surpasses everything. That's how she put it in one of her messages. It surpasses creation, surpasses joy, surpasses everything, surpasses everything. It ends with that. Yet, she has known it, now she has some other command. And the individual work to be pursued simultaneously with the collective work is the awareness and position of all the activities and all the regions of the being and the definitive establishment of the consciousness in that highest point which will allow all, which will allow at once the prescribed action and a constant communion with these. So she says, Simultaneously, this realization where she is in the divine, at the same time, from there she has the perception of what is to be done and how it is to be done. This is a perfect answer to, you know, many people who say, you know, when they look at world condition and they want to spread the work and want to do the work. First thing is this work. Without this, there is only two conditions in which one can engage with this kind of collective work. One, one has realized at least that inner divine. Second is, one has a clear command to do it. One way or the other. The divine mother would tell you that yes. I remember once in uh, Bangalore Bhavan. Or maybe before that. This used to come that you know. About some reading or sharing like that. So somebody told me that you know. If you have to do this work. She will come and tell you. I said, yeah, that's correct. <laughs> so, I took it very sincerely that yes, he has to come and tell. And then I just aspired, then make me your instrument. Till a point where she actually came and told. You can't do it otherwise. It is, in fact, the first thing that the mother said, which I have shared on, I think, uh, uh, in one of the interviews, when she appeared and said, I want to be an instrument, I want to do your work, she said, it's very difficult. So again I said I want to do. She said it's very difficult. When third time I said, she said look and see. She showed me all the people who are coming from everywhere and I thought they will recognize mother so wonderful they will all come and meet. 
They all pass by from the side. Nobody even notices her. And then she smiles. She said, this is the work. And then I just burst out crying. She said, yes. And then the rest of the experience is a different thing altogether. So one has to ask for it, aspire for it. And if she grants out of And even then it should not be, oh, she has given work now for lifetime. <laughs> she may take it. She may change it. That also becomes an ego. If tomorrow, if she takes it away, and because there should be no attachment to anything, even to an activity which in our view most represents her work. She may she may put an instrument forward, tomorrow she may break it. It's her. It's not your own. It's not mine. And one should be happy, joyous in every way. So, this is what she says that it should be from that highest poise. Thy joy of perfect union can come only when what has to be done has been done. And then she gives the final thing. We must preach to all. What we must preach? First union. Then work. See, she has reversed the whole thing. In traditional yoga, you will see that work, work leading to union, end. She is saying union first by whatever means. So this whole idea that we have to change the world, change the world. And somebody wanted this, you know, message, world union. We want a message from the mother. She said, first create unity within yourself. And then she said very humorously, she said they want to create union, but they are fighting amongst themselves. There are only three of them and they are fighting. It's a sad reflection of human nature, no? And first thing, whatever work one may be doing, it's not that suddenly stop, whatever. But not to forget that all this right now is a means only to go inside. Work is a means to purify, get rid of the ego, to imagine that one is an instrument and doing some great work. Nothing. Whether you are rewarded by government or whether you are recognized by 10,000 people makes no difference. First is union with the divine. Till then, work is a means, a preparation, reach. Then work. Now imagine, now she is bringing something very interesting. After union work, she says then work. But for those who have realized the union, each moment of their life must be an integral expression of thy will through them. So what is the work? She is defining very beautifully. Work is not just some, you know, we think some big work, something like that. If you are giving a talk, it's work. You are writing a book, it is work. It may all be ego. It may all be ambition. Everything can be any of these things. Work is very simply every moment of life, all the multiple contacts, whether it's with human beings, whether it is food, sarv karmati, should be an expression of the divine will. That is the work. And it's not easy to live at the summit of that consciousness. Extremely difficult. But that is ultimately that whole life should become a continuous Expression of the divine will. That is the work to be done. It could include it could include speaking, it could include sitting silently, it could include working with hands. So whatever place she could include cooking, looking after a child, doesn't matter. All this should become an expression of the divine will. So I'll just quickly read this uh, particularly last part. We must Preach to all, first, union, 
then work. Even before that perhaps. And the individual work to be pursued simultaneously with the collective work. Both works have to be, you know, go together. But she is giving us the key. Is the awareness and position of all the activities and all the regions of the being and the definitive establishment of the consciousness in that highest point. That is the individual and collective work. Any part which has not been claimed by the divine is a cause for chaos because it's a world in itself that she cautions us and one learns it with great pain that there is a part which you didn't offer to the divine. And it is a world, it's not a part, it looks like a part, small little chinna part in you. It's a world. It's a world of chaos and disorder. And it opens the door to all the things belonging to that domain, which has not been claimed by the divine and you have not offered to the divine. So she says the individual and collective work go like this. Now, if we don't offer that part, then one will always be creating chaos and confusion in all that one does. So she is saying, Position of all the activities and all the regions of the being and the definitive establishment of the consciousness in that highest point which will allow at once the prescribed action and a constant communi communication with thee, communion with thee. Then through the communion one knows what is to be done. It's not like I will do things my own way but when I sit and meditate there is a very beautiful conversation in uh, 1929 and uh, first time when I had read it, I said, oh my God, it's <laughs> Frankly, one of the first books I had read. So she says, in the integral, integral yoga is affected by offering. Then she says, in the integral yoga, it will not do that when I sit for five minutes and aspire, I will be in that nice state. But when I go out with friends, I can just be anything and, you know, just do anything. She says, in the integral yoga, it doesn't work like that. Then I realize that one has to be conscious. Wherever one is, one has to be conscious. You, I mean, outer life, you will have many situations where you are with people. That's perfectly fine. But one has to be conscious. One has to be individualized. One has to try to at least stay in touch with the divine presence inside. And then from there, let the action flow. It is difficult, but we are here to do difficult things. And the grace is there to help us. The joy of perfect union can come only when what has to be done has been done. We must preach to all first union, then work. But for those who have realized the union, each moment of their life must be an integral expression of thy will through them. Which means, let the mother's will be done in us at each moment. Namaste.